Thank you to each one who participated in our service so far tonight. As the handouts are being distributed, we have begun looking at the millennial kingdom. We said that uh, the believers are resurrected in order to participate in the millennial kingdom. We looked at some aspects of it, looked at the transformation of the earth and our glorified bodies, and tonight we look at the activity of Satan, and it's another reason why there is a necessity for the millennial kingdom. So tonight we are going to consider the millennial kingdom as it relates to Satan's activity and ultimate downfall. The theme is that the present aspects of the kingdom partially but not exhaustively fulfill the features of the millennial kingdom as it relates to Satan's activity and ultimate downfall. Like a criminal who has been sentenced to die and awaits the day of his execution, so Satan is already judged and awaits the day of the administration of his sentence. So Satan already stands condemned, but Satan is still active in this world. But Satan's going to come to a great undoing, and that's what we want to look at tonight. So the background, Satan's defeat has been made certain by the cross of Christ. John chapter 16, it talks about the work of the Holy Spirit, the convicting work that he's going to do. He's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So John 16, 11, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world and notice the past tense has been judged, has been condemned by the cross of Christ. Ephesians 1.19 and following says, and uh, the context is that Paul prays and says, I pray that you might know what is the hope of your calling and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he wrought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. So he, being God the Father, put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. So notice that everything has been placed under the authority or jurisdiction of Jesus Christ. But the full manifestation of Satan's defeat is yet future. Hebrews 2.8 Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, as we just read in Ephesians. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, But now we see not yet all things put under him. That's not gobbledy goop, and that's not speaking out of both sides of one's mouth. There has been placed under the authority of Jesus Christ all things. But we don't yet see that fully manifested. We don't see that complete realization. But one day we are going to see that realization, and that is in the time of the millennial kingdom. So we're going to look at the millennial kingdom tonight, specifically 
as it relates to Satan and his activity. So the first feature of the millennial kingdom is the binding of Satan. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now, when we think about the end times, there are two distinct positions in evangelical circles. Um, that is that uh, there are those that will be referred to as amillennialists, am meaning no, millennial being thousand-year reign. They don't see that the scripture teaches a literal earthly reign of Christ. Uh, they see that those portions of scripture are fulfilled in the period of time in which we are now living. But I hope to demonstrate tonight that that can't be true. That, that can't fulfill all that the scripture says. But the strongest point of amillennialism, <clears throat> I think the most powerful argument for amillennialism is the fact that the scripture refers to Satan as being bound now. Notice A. There is a sense in which Satan is bound now. Satan is bound with respect to those who are a part of God's kingdom by faith. Jesus in his earthly ministry spoke of the binding of Satan. Um, Jesus was accused by the Pharisees of casting out demons by the power of Satan. And so Jesus said, And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come to you. Notice the present tense. If I cast them out, then the kingdom has come. Or else, how could one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? So in that passage, you have two very important statements. One, the kingdom has come. And two, Satan is bound. And so this is by far, as I say, the strongest argument for uh, millennialism. Two, Jesus in his earthly ministry spoke in terms of the kingdom having come in relationship to the binding of Satan. Then the kingdom of God is come unto you. There is certainly a binding of the power of Satan as it relates to the child of God, even in this present age. 1 John 4, 3. And every spirit that confesses not Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Wherefore ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. You are of God, little children, and overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The child of God is no longer under the dominion of Satan. Colossians 1.13, For he, that is Jesus, delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So here's another reference to our having become partakers of God's kingdom. 
present tense. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of his son. However, um, B, our text requires a fuller, more complete binding of Satan, which extends to his activity and relationship to an unbelieving world. Revelation 20, verse 3. And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till a thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. So now what I'm going to do is look at the features of the millennial kingdom that demonstrate that there is a future work that God is going to do with Satan that he's not doing at the present time. If you recall, uh, I said there are three aspects to God's kingdom. There's the eternal aspect of which God ruled over all things, always has, always will. There's the present aspect of the kingdom in which Jesus rules in the hearts of his people. And there is a third aspect in which Jesus is going to come to the, uh, this earth and so what Jesus says concerning the kingdom's coming is referring to this present aspect of the kingdom, that he is working and he does rule in the hearts of his people, and Satan is certainly limited in what he is able to do against the people of God. But notice, number three, the second feature of the millennial kingdom is a casting of Satan into a bottomless pit. Revelation 20, verse 3, and cast him into a bottomless pit. Satan is viewed as off the scene during the millennial kingdom. Satan is said to be cast in a bottomless pit. Next statement. Satan is unwillingly thrown out of his domain on earth to a place God has temporarily reserved for Satan and his fiendish cohorts. The beast comes from the bottomless pit, Revelation eleven seven, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them. Satan is said to be shut up, Revelation 20, verse 3, and cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up. Shut up in the sense of being stopped. The fiendish activity of Satan will come to a complete Stop. I uh, thought of a better wording. So if you would put the activity of Satan and cross out complete stop, because that sounds like it's not going to start again, it'd be better said the activity of Satan is suspended. It's suspended. It stops for a period of time but is going to be resumed, all right? So the uh, activity of Satan is suspended. Page four. Noting how the word shut up is used, in Revelation 11.6, these have power to shut up heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth and all plagues 
as often as they will. So the point is to shut up is to stop. Satan is said to be sealed. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 3, cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him. Satan is in a secure place from which he is unable to break out. Satan is in his place of imprisonment until he is loosed. Right now, Satan is very much on the scene. Satan is not in a bottomless pit. Satan is not, uh, his activities have not been suspended. Satan is still very much at work on the face of this earth. So that can't be referring to a present time. Notice 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. You see, that metaphor is that, that he is, he's out there on the prowl, like a lion seeking its prey. He's not bound up, he's not in a pit, but he is, he is free, he's loose, and he is walking as it were, the face of this earth in order to find those that he can uh, bring to uh, damnation, if at all possible. And certainly to bring harm to God's people. Number one, Satan still has access to heaven. Revelation 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Is cast down. Notice, which accused them before our God day and night. Satan is the great accuser. He is, his activity in heaven is to accuse the people of God. One great example of that is the book of Job. And in the book of Job, if you remember, it starts out by saying that there was a day in which they all appeared before God, including Satan. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? There is none righteous like, like he. But Satan, our adversary, brings accusation. Does Job serve you for naught? Look at all you've done for him. Of course he serves you. But take those things away from him, and he is going to curse you to your face. And so he has given permission to touch everything that Job has. And then he comes back before God, and God says, look, look what happened. And he says, well, that's because I wasn't able to touch his body. And so God says, well, you can touch his body, but you can't kill him. My point is that, that Satan is still in that adversarial role at this present time. Number two. When Satan is first cast out of heaven, he is seen not as being assigned to the bottomless pit, but to the earth. So early on in Revelation, Jesus, Satan is cast out of heaven, but my point is he's not cast to the bottomless pit yet. Instead, he's cast to the earth. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. So here is a picture of Satan who no longer is going to have access to heaven. He is bound, if you will, to the confines of this earth. Future to us. 
Three, the casting out of Satan from heaven to the earth is seen to be the, the cause of the great misery of the great tribulation. Revelation 12, 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. This morning, I said to you in morning worship that Satan knows his end. Satan knows what is coming. Satan realizes that his activity is going to cease and he himself is going to be tormented. And uh, I mentioned that Legion says to Jesus, um, why have you come to torment us before the time? Knowing that they were going to be tormented, knowing that there was a time that has come. When Satan is cast out of heaven, he then knows his time is short. And so in Satan's fury, he then brings all kinds of misery and suffering and heartache to this world, which we know as the Great Tribulation. See, the casting of Satan into the bottomless pit in which he is shut up and sealed must be viewed as a future event. Number four. The third feature of the millennial kingdom is a restriction of Satan's ability to deceive the nations. A. Satan is viewed as deceiving the nations through the means of lying spirits and lying men that do great wonders. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. So you see in that previous verse when it would talk about the serpent, it's really talking about Satan. The scripture interprets that for us. The great dragon, which is cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Not that there are two, but the fact that's what he's called. He's called the devil, he's called Satan. Which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So now, all of the fallen host, all of the demonic world, no longer will have access uh, to uh, the presence of God, and all of them are cast out unto the earth. Number one, note that when Satan is cast out to the earth, he is still deceiving the world. And the beast was taken away, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. Now, obviously, there's a lot going on here that I can't uh, go into tonight. I don't know if you know about uh, 666, the mark of the beast, but that uh, uh, must be born uh, upon one's body if you're going to buy and sell and uh, be able to uh, enter into any kind of uh, commerce. Uh, that is part of the satanic activity. But notice, he deceives people to take that, that mark. This deception is identified by Christ as a future event to his earthly ministry. Jesus said to his disciples, and he said, Take heed that you be not deceived. This is about his coming. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draws near. Go ye not Therefore, after them. 
Satan's ability to deceive the nations will be suspended for a time during the millennial reign of Christ. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into an abyss, and shut it and sealed it over him for this reason, so that he should not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After this, he is released for a short time. So one of the reasons that the millennial kingdom is this blissful period of time in the history of our world is because Satan is taken out of the picture. Satan will not be able to deceive. Satan will not be able to be tormented. Satan is not only going to be restrained, meaning that not only is his power is going to be limited as they are now, but they're actually going to be suspended. Number five. The fourth feature of the millennial kingdom is the loosing of Satan for a brief period of time after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Satan will be loosed from his imprisonment, Revelation 20, verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan will be loosed out of his prison. The loosing of Satan is not before or during the millennium, but at the end of the millennial kingdom. Notice, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. The loosing of Satan provides a problem for the amillennialist and the postmillennialist. So that what we're looking at tonight is really difficult to in any way see as being completely fulfilled now. That's a problem for the amillennialist. But here is, I think, the nail in the coffin of amillennialism. Because amillennialism says that the world gets better and better and better and better, and then uh, we have the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, but what is this reappearance of Satan on the scene and his ability to deceive nations and uh, his great outpouring of wrath, et cetera, et cetera? How does that fit? You see, that, that's, a, I think, an insurmountable problem. D, the result of his being loosed is the deception of the nations and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. The aim of the deception is to have individuals war against Christ and his people, Revelation 20, verse 8, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. To battle who? To battle Christ and his people. This rebellion will be widespread. Revelation 20, verse 8. To gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So let me go back and kind of recap before we move on. So here's the, the picture in a nutshell. Christ returns to earth. When he returns, there's going to be a bodily resurrection of believers. Remember, there's 
the period of the, the, before the millennial kingdom starts, there's a resurrection of believers. It's not until the end of the millennial kingdom that the non-believers are uh, resurrected. So Christ returns. The non-believers who are alive at Christ's return enter the millennial kingdom, but they are ruled over, they are reigned over by Christ and his people. So we reign with Christ during the millennial kingdom. Over whom? Over this non-believing world. These non-believers who are still uh, alive. And Christ reigns over them, uh, the scripture says, with a rod of iron. Meaning they can't rebel. Meaning that they uh, uh, are going to uh, submit themselves completely uh, to the authority of Jesus Christ. They're not regenerate. They're not born again. They're not saved. But they're conquered. And Satan is taken off the scene. He's placed in a bottomless pit. All of his activities are suspended. So there is no satanic or demonic influence during the millennial kingdom. But as the millennial kingdom draws to a close, Satan is set free for a brief period of time. And during that brief period of time that he is set free, he leads the non-believing world into rebellion against Christ. Not wanting to be under his authority, not wanting to be under his direction. And so this is the last and final uh, rebellion of seeking to reject Christ's authority. G. God himself will achieve a great and total victory. The deceived nations throughout the earth will come up to make war with the saints and with Christ. Revelation 20, verse 9. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, referring to Jerusalem. Two, God himself, without any human intervention, defeats this foe. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The greatness of the victory is seen as the final triumph over the enemies of God. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The totality of the victory is seen in the consignment of Satan to a permanent place of eternal place of torment. This is Satan's complete undoing and ultimate end. So the devil that, received, that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You have heard me say often that one of the great myths about hell, one of the great misrepresentations is the, the picture of Satan kind of like around a cauldron or something, you know, with the, the, the horns and the tail. And uh, he is gleefully uh, rejoicing over all of the people that are uh, deceived by him. And it's though he is tormenting them. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
It's not Satan that uh, rules hell. It's God that rules hell. It's not Satan who brings about the torment. It is God who brings about the torment. And Satan is not uh, free from that torment. He is not administering it. He is receiving it. And that is the ultimate and final undoing. Then we have the new heaven and new earth. And in the new heaven and new earth, it is populated only by God's people. No unregenerate people will be present there. And there will be no activity of Satan for all eternity future. Evil has been dealt with once and for all. And so the new heaven and new earth will be spared, will be kept from all of the evil. There are so many questions that, that people have that I cannot answer about evil. And one of them is, why would God allow Satan's rebellion, and why would God allow uh, Satan to tempt Adam and all those other questions, to which I have to simply say, I don't know, because I can't see any place in the scripture that clearly answers that, that question. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that there is a day coming in which God will not allow any rebellion. And there will be no temptation. And it will be the ideal situation. But that is all still future to us. And it's very, very difficult for me to see any way that you can construe these passages as being present. That certainly isn't my experience uh, where I'm no longer tempted, where I'm no longer uh, experiencing these things. Uh, that is a future event that we look forward to. But that uh, is a kind of summation of Satan's activity during the millennial kingdom and explains why it's a blissful time, but also explains why there is this period of rebellion at the end of the age. Conclusion. God is going to make a complete and final end to Satan at the end of the millennial kingdom. That end is certain, but not yet fully manifested. Before that complete and final end of Satan comes, God demonstrates his supremacy over Satan and allows us to see what this world would be like apart from satanic influence and activity. That's the millennial kingdom. Where not only is the power of God demonstrated against a fallen world, but God's power is demonstrated against Satan, where he is completely subdued. We are allowed to see that. We're allowed to experience that. Then, after we've seen it, after we've experienced it, after we've seen the power of God displayed, after we've experienced the bliss of uh, freedom from satanic activity, then... He's loosed for a very brief period of time to bring about this rebellion, to bring about the destruction of the unregenerate world. And uh, God will put down this rebellion. It won't be us. 
We're not going to be taking up arms and, and fighting the evil one. God himself is going to uh, slay the wicked. And then comes the new heaven and new earth. Let's pray. Our Father, we look forward to the time in which uh, we are going to be freed from a condition of evil and sin. Uh, we look forward to a, a time in which we look forward to, to great blessing and, and joy. Uh, we ultimately look forward to the new heaven and new earth, where there is that permanent manifestation of uh, an ideal world apart from all satanic activity influence. We also look forward to the coming of your kingdom. And so we pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. O long, Lord, we long for your coming. We long for your kingdom. We long for the manifestation of your power. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.